Hey, it's Joel, and this is Rev Thinking. This is where I am sharing all my secrets on how studios and production companies can take their businesses to the next level. Today is April 14th, 2016, and I am talking with Patrick Jager. Patrick is the CEO at Core Innovation Group. Welcome to Rev Thinking. RevThink leverages years of experience and practical wisdom to help owners of top creative studios. So you don't have to choose between following your passion and running your business. Find out more at RevThink.com. Now here's your host, Joel Pilger. How many times have you heard someone say, man, I have got a great idea for a TV show. Well, since you run a creative studio or a production company yourself, maybe you've said it yourself, uh, maybe even many times. And hey, why not? You're already producing killer content on a regular basis. So if anyone could actually pull it off, it would be you, right? Now, maybe you're actually getting serious and you're putting together a pitch package or going to produce a pilot and you think, I'll go take this to some TV programming executives and who knows, they might just hand me a big check and off we go making our new amazing TV series. Well, maybe that's how it used to go, but the world has certainly changed. So today I'm asking these questions of Patrick Jager. Patrick is not only the CEO at Core Innovation Group, but uh, many people in biz also know Patrick from his years as Senior Vice President of uh, development and programming at High Noon Entertainment, where he developed hundreds of hours of programming for some of the biggest names in cable. Today, Patrick is running his own consultancy, and he's kind of since broadened his perspective beyond just linear TV and into the much larger overall landscape, or what he calls the smorgasbord. So before you run out and start creating that TV show, I highly recommend you hear what Patrick has to say. Let's dive in. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Joel. So I just discovered I've been pronouncing your last name like wrong for like we've known each other five years and I've been saying Jaeger and it's Jaeger. It's Jaeger, but it's only been five years, really? I guess, yeah. I don't know. Ish. I want to say we met back in 0989. So maybe it has been seven we, or so years. We met before I moved to Denver when I was still thinking about what do I want my next career to be. And we were introduced and talked about Maybe hooking up, right? I was professionally. I, I was running impossible. You were, and I was. I was probably almost at a zenith in terms of like twenty, twenty-five people. Mm-hmm. We were in the heart of Denver. Things were really hopping, but that's obviously a great uh, segue just to ask you, um, where where do you come from, and where, where where do you live? Where did you come from in the biz, and where are you in the biz now? Sure. So I had been a television producer in L.A. Freelance, worked for everyone, worked my way up very quickly, behind the music, any biography, a lot of sports stuff, a lot of music stuff, then got into the whole HGTV, Food Network travel world. Um, hit 40, could not get a job to save my life. Uh, they wanted someone younger and hipper, but they so it, was, it was literally an age thing. No, it was an age thing. Wow. Age, and, age and money. And, and if you're going to reinvent yourself, find a new market, mm. you know, move out to move up. So we decided to move to Denver. And... I literally was going to try something else, and I ended up becoming the head of development and then SVP of a huge production company that's based in Denver, and uh, I left that uh, about a year and a half ago to work on my plan B, kind of what, what my next thing is. TV is TV, but I right. have other skills. Sure. So I uh, started my company. And, uh, and can we name names on that production company here sure. in Denver? Uh, High Noon High Entertainment, Noon. which has... Uh, 
a, a great track record, really in the lifestyle space. I mean, everything from Cake Boss on TLC to yeah. Fixer Upper on HGTV to uh, Tough Love on VH1, but very lifestyle-oriented. Yes. But they are what I would call one of the household names in the world of uh, TV programming uh, yeah, for ab- cable, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, so what's interesting, of course, is that you were on quite a meteoric rise and run there, uh, but then you hit some sort of wall or said, it's time for my next transition, Right. and now you're on to your next career, and give me the, give me the quick rundown of what your focus is right now in, in terms of how you're consulting. And, sure. And so, so core innovation group, is, the idea of core is that no matter what you're selling, at the end of the day, you're selling yourself, and that's the DNA that makes you unique. And so I help you sell yourself as a brand, as a talent, as a whatever, really focus through my lenses, which are media, communications, and business development. The idea that business is not just what you promote, but then how you train your sales force and how you look at things in a, in a unique way uh, to go to your kind of 2.0. Well, that's cool because you're what I see is parlaying all that you did in the world of TV and entertainment content creation, programming, you know, media, and saying, okay, now how do I leverage this on behalf of my clients now to help them be more successful in their business beyond just we're going to go create content. Right. It's broader than that. Well, I think because the challenge is content as a definition, and I know that's one of the things you wanted to talk about today, content as a definition has changed. Mm-hmm. We used to think of content in this one very specific thing, linear content, television, or cable. Mm-hmm. Content now is across so many different types of platforms, length, um, uh, attention, um, that you have to be thinking differently. And, and, and those that want to say that all there is is this one bucket, the linear bucket, are missing out on a buffet of lots of other things. Yeah, you just hit to the heart of like the topic, right? So our, today I have this, I'm going to posit this, um, put this hypothesis in, in front of you. Okay, so speaking on behalf of my audience, which is production companies and motion design studios and uh, agencies that focus on content creation, right? Hello, audience. Hello, audience. So I'm going to say, make a sweeping generalization that pretty much everyone in this space at some point or another has said, my team is really good at creating content, live action, commercials, promos, what have you. And you know what? we have some really cool ideas that would make a great TV show. I get asked all the time, well, content is king, right? So we gotta get into content development. We gotta get into intellectual property where we own it. So so what I'm gonna say is I'm gonna pretend to be a production company right now. And I come to you and I say, Patrick, I've got a great idea for a TV show. And I've got a production company that can make it. This is a match made in heaven, right? And you're the guy that spent like a better part of your life in that world. Let's go do this. Now well, what? Well, you did come to me with that exact same thing at <laughs> one point. I? Yeah, you did at one point in time. So hello. But <laughs> that's uh, funny. But on top of that, I I got a lot of those, and I still do get a lot of those. And right. I think ten years ago, no problem. Uh, there was still a there were more need than there was content. Companies like High Noon were developed because they happened to be at that sweet spot of time where cable was 
starting to burgeon and there was no one supplying material. So if you could supply the material, you'd get ridiculously large orders and a lot of them. Right. Um, good for them. Great timing. And, and an order would be do this 13, 26, 65, 65 episodes, 65 episodes. Package, I worked right. multi-million dollar deals that last years, yep. et cetera, et cetera. I worked on three 65 episode um, contracts back to back. So right. that was four years of my life. Right. That isn't true today. Now, if you come to pitch me you are one of 2,000 companies that has a great idea, and there are over 450 production companies that are supplying material to Linear. So At a you time... Say, so 450, when you say that number, that's like an actual number. That's there an are actual 450 number. companies. Well, there are more. There, there are 450 co companies that are actually providing at least a show. Now, some companies are providing multiple shows, but there are over 300 channels on cable. So 300 channels on cable times however number many hours they program, mm -hmm. that is a ton of need. But now the supply is vastly outweighs the demand. So yes. if you are your client, you are an agency, and you are coming in saying, I have this great idea, and I'm going to sell it to television, well, good luck. And, and you might, but there's... A couple things to say. Number one, while content is king, affordable content that appeals to a very specific demographic is king, not content itself. Right. So it has to be very specific. Everybody wants the same thing. There was a time where everybody wanted Duck Dynasty. That's all I would hear from networks. Where's our Duck Dynasty? Where's our Duck Dynasty? Where's our Duck Dynasty? And for years, everyone was programming to be the same. So where you had Nat Geo and A&E and Discovery and VH1, all unique brands, just a year ago, they all looked like the exact same channel. It didn't matter if you were programming for females or males. It didn't matter if you were programming for inner city or flyover state. It didn't matter. They all had the exact, everyone had their Alaska show. Everyone had their um, Survivor show. Everyone had everything. And they, because everyone said, where's my Duck Dynasty? Right now, everyone's big thing, and I'm proud that I was part of the development of the show. Where's my fixer-upper? Mm -hmm. Everyone's like, where's my fixer-upper? Well, why do you, that's, that's HGTV's show. What's your show? Mm -hmm. So now everyone all of a sudden is saying, we need to go back to being unique brands. That's great for content, because now people can be unique. But the supply is still too big. And so, so you when have you say to, unique so unique to brand, give me a sense of what that means. So, there, so is that like in other words A and E is gonna have a very narrow narrow brand voice that does this kind of content as opposed to history history as opposed to Well let's that, do it this those, way. Those let's brands? do it this way. When was the last time you heard music on MTV? When was the last time you saw an animal on Animal Planet? When was the last time you saw what you think of as National Geographic magazine on Nat Geo? Right. They weren't. Everyone was this amalgamation of mainstream programming. Everyone's moving back. So the every swung, single we swung too far, and now we're coming back to some sort of. There is no such thing as a middle ground. Pendulums always swing. So there's always a nice little sweet spot in the middle where people are are unique, and then it and then the pendulum keeps going the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. Happens all the time. Mm -hmm. I've been in this long enough that. HGTV, for example, every show looked like this, then every show looked like this, then every show looked like this, then everything was a House Hunters, then everything was a Property Brothers. We created Fixer Upper because everyone said, what's my next Property Brothers? 
So we were looking for, okay, they need to be uh, related in some way and they need to be able to do real estate and design. And we found this couple in Waco, Texas, but they brought a whole nother thing, a family dynamic. Uh, you know, they, so they amped that game to the point that everyone's like, Property Brothers who? Right. And I don't mean to diminish Property Brothers, but... Right. So now, all of a sudden, if you're on Animal Planet, you have to have animals in it again. If you're on, uh, you know, if you're on We, We now means We the People, not Women's Entertainment, but they still are trying to say, here's our niche, and their niche now is becoming very African-American. Everyone's saying, okay, we tried to all play in the same pool. It didn't work, so now we have to narrow out a little. Why? Because if you were all the exact same show, and this is an industry that is paid for by brands, by advertisers, how do you make money? Well, interesting. So a little anecdote. I think about my daughter, who's 14, and she's a great representative viewer of the up-and-coming, call it uh, video-on-demand, OTT, um, non-linear, whatever, viewer, right? First of all, she doesn't really watch anything that comes over DirecTV in my case. She's watching Netflix and all these other things, right? Um, but what's interesting is how many times she starts watching a new show and she says, oh, Dad, you got to check out this show. And I say, oh, that's, that sounds really cool. What, what channel is that on? And she says, I don't know. Right. There's and no I'm brand like, loyalty. Yeah, I'm like, no. You, what, the logo must appear when you like click to play the screen. And she's like, oh, yeah, I guess I did see a CW logo when the show starts, but right. I didn't notice, didn't care. No. Right? So there's that <laughs> issue. I'm also thinking of um, a couple of friends of mine in the, in the TV business one, a production company that produces TV shows, and also a couple executives. And what I've heard is them sort of secretly admit that, yeah, we're sort of in this phase right now where we're not really sure what works. Like, I know I don't want to admit that because people are coming in and pitching me, and I'm saying, you know, where's my Duck Dynasty or where's my Fixer Upper or whatever. So they're certainly asking for, yes, we're looking for these types of shows, but sort of secretly behind the scenes what I hear is people saying, we don't really know what works. No, they don't. And so what we do is we're, we're, we're trying this, we're trying that, it's a certain amount of experimentation, and then something clicks, something hits, and we don't necess- it wasn't really necessarily by design. And then you go down that path. That's it. I clicked, it must be. You run no. with it. <laughs> you, the problem is it worked because it was unique. Once it's no longer unique, it, you delude. I, and and, and it, it's, it's interesting. There was a very, very long time where there was a very specific pattern. You pitched an idea, they gave you money for a pilot, you'd do a pilot, they'd focus group the pilot, they might air it once to see how it does, they'd make an internal determination, they'd give you 13 episodes, at the end of the season you'd find out. Well, here's how it works. That's the traditional... That's Welcome to Linear 101. Right. It used to work that way, but no more. So here's what it is now. Now, and agencies, motion graphic, everyone's in the same boat. Now, they, you pitch, they give you money for what they call a proof of concept tape, which is a third of the length of a pilot, but for a tenth the budget, but they want it to look and feel, so you lose money on every single one of these. And for the same amount of money they would spend on one pilot, they can now get 10. And they just throw crap and see what works. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, no harm, no, harm, no foul. And you're locked up and you're losing money. So when, and when it works, let's say that they bite on one mm-hmm. of these proof of concept and they go, oh, that's cool. Then what? What's the next step? Well, then, if, then, they go to, then they'll go to a series or they'll go to a limited. But now, you know, series used to be 13s or 26s or 22s. 
now series are six. So just six episodes, meaning we can't really risk several years and nope. all this capital. I, I did a show a couple of years ago, and this was part of why I left, not the company, but left the, the industry day in, day out, is you know you pour sweat equity in these things. And I did this show with this guy in New York for a network, and um, two episodes in, they pulled it. Actually, they didn't pull it, they just buried it. Two episodes. They never promoted the show. Oh, no. They basically were like, oh, it's not working. Well, you didn't do anything to help it work. But the, again, they're stretched so thin. You know, and one of the problems is, and to get back to your original thesis, sorry, we segued there for a little bit. Oh, but, it's all good. Um, I, I wrote an article recently about media is like a never-ending Las Vegas buffet. And if you've gone to those buffets, there's nothing you can't get there. It's a smorgasbord. Um, that's what people expect today in media is that smorgasbord. I, my son is like your daughter. My son's 15. He, whenever we watch television, like we say, hey, come watch this, it's because we DVR'd something and it might be six months old, but we really want him to see it. But he rolls his eyes. His menu at the buffet is... Predominantly OTT, so Netflix, Amazon, mm -hmm. where where we have a subscription, but he's just you know picking and choosing. We had to get Amazon Prime because of Top Gear, because sure. that was like his favorite show. Sure. And now that they're going over to Amazon, good for Amazon. They spent thirty million dollars to get these guys, but they got my son and a lot of other kids. Right. Um, so OTT. Second is um, and so the, the OTT is probably his biggest. So that's video on demand, um, streaming services, um, you know, everything from HBO to go to whatever. Sure. Uh, second then to that is YouTube. And by when I say YouTube, I mean any kind of multi-channel network. But it's where you can go. And the difference between OTT and a YouTube format is OTT, you're going to, so you're still going, you have to search the name, you have to put in the name, and there it goes. And it will give you other recommendations, but you're kind of there captive. Mm -hmm. When you're on YouTube, you can go down a rabbit hole so quickly. So he'll go to watch some random gaming thing, and the next thing I know, six hours later, he's like, I just saw this really cool thing on Chernobyl. I'm like, how'd you do that? He goes, because I just, one thing led to another. So that's his second bucket. His third bucket then is his phone. And that's not YouTube. That's Snapchat. That's Vine. That's all these other things. So when you look at the buffet that is today's media landscape, you have what I call the eggs and bacon section, which is linear. But then you have all this other stuff. So when, when, when your type of client comes to me, okay, well, no, you ask me. So where do I go? Right. So I'm the production company now back saying, but I have this really great idea for it. I know it'll make a great TV show. And we've dispelled the myth now that, oh, I'm going to go in, they'll pay me for a pilot after I've pitched this thing, and then they'll buy 13 or 26 episodes and we all run off into the sunset. Okay, that cheese has moved. So where are the opportunities for the content creators? Because my sense is that the opportunity hasn't evaporated, it's shifted. It's shifted to digital, truly, in my, in my opinion. OTT... Netflix, Amazon, they're not massive risk takers. So they're huge risk takers in so much as if you looked at what Amazon bought at um, Sundance this year, Amazon spent an unbelievable amount of money at, at Sundance, but there's a smart play in that. They get, the, they get the OTT play, but then they can distribute it theatrically, internationally, and, yeah. it, and things that are scripted have a longevity to them. But in the nonfiction space, 
in the you know type of content ideas that 99% of your customers or your audience are talking about. Mm-hmm. That's non-scripted. And that non-scripted play, OTT is not there yet. So where do you go? It's digital. Why digital? Because I, I, I uh, am writing an article right now about if you want to focus group something, YouTube. YouTube is a focus group. Right. Why not just te- test it with the actual audience that you're going after in the first place, You I can guess. see, you, you know, it's funny, my son's like, oh, I could, I could start a YouTube channel, and well, that ship has also sailed. Those that are making money off of YouTube, it used to be that the barrier for entry to make money on YouTube is like 200,000 viewers. If you had 200,000 viewers, advertisers said, wow, you're big. Now it's, you know, 2 million, 3 million, 3 million, actually, one of the big agencies in LA, one of the big talent agencies, won't take a YouTuber unless they have five million or more. Like that's their that's their barrier entry is five. You have to have five million people. Incredible. You know there are people that are making really substantial amounts of money that have a million, two million. But I don't want anyone that you're talking to, anyone that's listening to this, anyone that is listening to this that tells someone else, don't. Create content because you want to make money. Interesting. Do. So there's a very key key insight to the to to where I'm really curious to see where this leads, mm-hmm. right? Because I think you're right. Like the land grab is kind of over in most of these spaces, and so it's almost it's also kind of like in the stock market. Like as soon as somebody says, you know, oh Amazon stock is really going up, you should buy it. It's too late. It's too late. So in the same way, a YouTuber that had 200,000 viewers and now has 2 million, oh, I'm going to go out and start this and I'm going to get 2 million. Well, that's such an uphill battle. So that being the case, likewise, okay, are you going to create content in order to make money? Or are you, what's, so what's your what's so your? I, I, I would say this. Nobody wants to lose money, but a lot of it is about showcasing your uniqueness, right? So if you are a motion graphics student and you have a great idea, put it on YouTube. It's your idea. It's your IP. You can control that. But production companies, I only cast television off of YouTube or off of blogs. If, if I find someone that is totally amazing but no one knows them, there are some networks like CNBC. CNBC won't, won't bring on a new talent unless they have a certain, a certain threshold of social media followers. Just granted, that's just a given. So do content for content's sake, understanding that it brings a purpose. You can drive potential clients to it and say, oh, we did this fun series, take a look, and here's a link. You can, you can use it as a calling card maybe to television, but television should no longer be your destination. Right. Media is your destination. If you're going on vacation, your vacation is media. And television is one, you know, it's, if you're at the Disney Resort, right, and you have all these opportunities, think of that. Your vacation is to the resort. Your vacation now is to media. Television is one of the places you can go, but yeah. it's but it's like it, it's the place that you're going to go that has the three hour line for a ride. Why go there? Go to the part of the park that nobody's at. You know that the, there's an old adage that is true: the riches are in the niches. If you try to play in the same sandbox as 450 production companies, that it's their bread and butter to create television. Right. If you try to play in the same sandboxes as a YouTuber that has 5 million subscribers, you're, you're, 
you're never going to feel like you got an ROI. You're never going to feel, but creativity, what's nice about in your land grab thing is there's this whole new territory that's opened up in digital. Now, a lot of people that did land grabs, their land that they got was a dud. Nothing happened on it. There was no there were no natural resources. There right. was no mineral rights. There's no nothing. They, so they're right. like, crap, I got a right. piece of desert. We don't hear about them because the failures never come up on, on YouTube as like the thing to watch. Exactly, right? exactly. All of the losers just went away. But, the, but here are my three, I would say my big three to-dos that you must do. You must go in with a point of view and a passion for doing it. That's number one. If you don't have a passion for whatever it is you're going to create... It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, you won't last. Right. Number two, you have to have a strategy for distribution. Meaning, if you just want to get it out there because you want to do something fun and maybe people will go see it, you have to have that as your strategy. And you have to be okay with that. If you put it out there saying, gosh, why isn't anyone coming? It's because you didn't have a distribution strategy. Much like everything else, social media and YouTube is now is, is now. Uh, monetized. Mm -hmm. So if you want to see your video seen, you have to pay to play. So you have to know that you're going to have to have some kind of SEO strategy for it. Some kind of, and, and not just, you know, you can boost any video on YouTube, not just a boosting strategy because everybody should be boosting. If you're not boosting and you're doing YouTube, shame on you. Mm -hmm. But that's just, that's just getting you like into the ballpark to get to base you got to pay some money. So you have to know that. So that's number two. And number three, you have to have what your end purpose is. Is this end purpose of you creating the show a creative vehicle? Which, by the way, is the best reason to do it. Because if you're just doing it for creativity, then if something happens, it's gravy. How awesome. Right. Are you doing this because you want to um, generate new clients? Are you doing this because you want to have a potential to train and test new people in your team? Like, why are you doing sure. this? Sure. If yeah, and I'm guessing there could be there could be people that say, "I want to create awareness." Maybe there's an issue. There's a social cause. Uh, you know, an issue. Absolutely. That sort of a thing. You know, or I've always wanted to get this kind of exposure for this kind of talent over here. Or there's this subculture here right. that the world needs to know about. That's right. so cool, so fun, so right. And a lot of that, you know, you said earlier that you never hear about the failures. 99.95% of YouTube is failure. It's just mom and pop putting up the kids' baseball game. It's just fun stuff. And quite frankly, my, my son seems to find all of those and be like, oh, isn't this great? <laughs> but people are doing it for that reason. Those who are doing it for commercial purposes have to have a strategy. You have to think about how does this help my core, my DNA of who I am, back to why I created my company. Yeah. You have to remember who you are and what you're doing. It's so interesting. You talked about in point number one, basically go out and start, put, put, put your content out there. Go ahead and build an audience. So in other words, the concept of build it and they will come mm -hmm. is no longer valid. Nope. Too many places to go. Because I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to when I was in college, I was playing with a band and we got certain amount of following in Atlanta where we were gigging, right? And I remember we sent our tape, uh, which was a cassette tape in those days, right, to an A&R guy at a label, and he was like, yeah, I'd like to meet you guys. But his number one question was, tell me, tell me about your audience. How many times are you performing? Like, he was like, yeah, your tape is good, 
but let's face it, we would rewrite all these songs and we would reproduce, well, like we'll create something brand new. But tell me about your followers. Tell exactly. me about your audience. How many exactly. times do you guys perform? What size audience do you have? So I'm thinking in today's modern era in the same way, if you put a show out there, content, what have you, on YouTube, you're, you know, if you're someone that's a buyer, and you know, like a TV network, obviously, it goes without saying, they weren't, they're not going to give you even so much as a glance unless they say, wow, this show has three million viewers. They're, What's going on there? We should get involved, and then that's when you now have some leverage. There to, are to some get unique. Attention. There are some unique um, times that that's not the case. I mean, when when we met Joanna and Chip Gaines, Joanna had 150 Instagram followers. She's now at 2.1 million. Hmm. You know, so so it does happen. You can find that. But they also had something that was totally unique. That's that's the the other big thing is formats, an idea. We have a great idea, and we'll wrap a show around it. Formats are a dime a dozen. There is no such thing as something that nobody else has thought about. It just doesn't happen. I created once this show I was so proud of. I thought, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. We were like I, I, groundbreaking. We went to a big pitch conference, and I kid you not, there were four other production companies with the exact same show exactly there. How frustrating. Oh my gosh. Welcome to, you know, and that's the problem. Again, when you have that much market saturation, you have to have something that is unique. Is it the talent that's unique? In the case of Fixer Upper, it was the talent. What they did isn't unique. They build houses, they decorate houses, they sell houses. That's not unique. Mm -hmm. They as talent were unique. So IP, intellectual property, something that makes it unique. If you want to fight the battle of going to television, you sure as heck better have something that is rock solidly unique. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean, well, we're really good friends with Sammy Hagar and he's going to be part of it. Nine other people have pitched Sammy Hagar in the last week, I guarantee you. Mm -hmm. So it needs to be, I don't know where that reference came from, but <laughs> you get the point. Yeah. Um, so it has to be more than just that you have a good idea. You have to back that up. Now, if you just have a good idea, again, digital. Because you're not proving it to a network. If a network sees it and goes, holy crud, that's such a different perspective. Great. Well, I'm thinking in today's world, if you're a TV network executive shopping shows, does it work this way that you might have 10 people come in your door that all have, quote, a really good idea? But then if you have another 10 people who come in your door who say, not only do we have a great idea, we have 5 million followers. followers. We have 10 million followers. Exactly. We have 6 million followers. We have 3 million followers. You're going to basically say... Hmm. Forget about that first group. Yep. This second group are the people I should be looking safer at. Safer bet. Much safer. Proven. But here's something that's interesting about that. There's now a backlash to that. So there's a you know, there are multiple examples of where that wins. Vice is a new network. It took right. over H2. It's an A and E brand. Um, A&E brought on Vice and said, "We'll give you your own channel because you have this huge social media following." And it's so not just a show, but a whole channel. <laughs> right. But here's the interesting thing. Their social media viewers, those that are seeing them non-cord connected, those that see them OTT or see them on YouTube or see them through the Vice app on their phone, those people don't turn to television. Right. So, you, so there's a double-edged sword there. So again, the biggest thing is don't put your eggs in the TV basket. Right. Today's buffet, you can go so many other places. Right. To follow, right. to follow your, your metaphor, right, you had an audience over here that loves pancakes and waffles, and you just said, great, now you're going to 
Now you can get all that, that same yummy food, but now it's bacon and eggs. And they're like, but wait, we liked your waffles and pancakes. We don't like your bacon and eggs, right? So in other words, that vice audience that is used to that phone, tablet, digital interaction experience, mm -hmm. when you say, oh, now we have a TV channel, it doesn't necessarily translate. Right, exactly. Exactly. Or people that go, it, there's also an elitist factor. Like, I'm not going to go to IHOP, even though IHOP has awesome pancakes. <laughs> They're not going to go to IHOP for their pancakes because that's not where they go. Right. 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 They go here in town to snooze, yeah. where you and I go. That's right. Um, <laughs> but I think, so, so you got to have IP. you got to go into it for the right reasons. You have to have the right meaning behind it. Yeah, the right passion. The, and, and the right objectives as to what you want to see out of it and the right money to put into it right, so strategy. if your objectives are to go broad that you're at least distributing it mm -hmm. even then you always hear the story it's like and then one day this one went viral well that's what happens no one everyone says that there are a lot of agencies sorry agencies but i've been pitched or been in pitch meetings with a lot of agencies to say we can make this go viral no you can't Right. That's totally impossible. You have no. You can you can do all the right things to make it go viral, but it goes viral on its own. Yeah, and you have nothing to do with that. The, right. the, We're all standing out there with we can we can create the bottle, but whether or not lightning strikes and we capture it in the bottle. Absolutely. You know what I mean. So having the more bottles in 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 the rainstorm, you, you you'll get more lightning. It's good. You got better chances, yeah. but you can't just guarantee that it's right. going to happen. The the last thing I I touch on on this. So you know. Go in it with the right purpose, have the right objectives, have the right money behind it, have an IP that makes sense if you want something that can cross over. The, 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 the other thing, and this is really kind of still where the wild, wild west still goes in, is brand. Who's going to pay for it? Why are you doing it? What's your objective? Now, a lot of brands are very savvy to this and are now only, like a brand will only connect with someone if they have 2 million people because they need to get to those same eyeballs. In, but, in this context, let me just ask yeah. real quick. By brand, do you mean sponsor? Yep. In effect? Okay. Yep. So or you partner. mean like a Coca-Cola, a Nike, a Home Depot, whatever. Yeah, but I'll, I'll give you a great example. So there's a law firm in Green Bay, Wisconsin, who does this amazing YouTube series with Aaron Rodgers. It's amazing. It's a give back series. Like, we give back. What a trip. So it was, it's Aaron and the head of this law firm who's, you know, like... Any other crazy, you know, the lawyer that you see in the personal injury cases, right. he's a personal injury he's lawyer. Ambulance chaser. Absolutely. But he has partnered with Aaron to give back and highlight these great stories. What a market differentiator. So, and someone went to them and said, we have this great idea. We think that Aaron and you should do this thing. And it, because now you're not looked at as an ambulance chaser, you're looked at as someone who is, is above the fray. I found this in a search just randomly. I love it, and it's a great example of commerce meets purpose, and everybody gets it. The people that are shooting it know, understand the creativity behind it, the, the, the talent understands it, so it, it hits all those objectives. What's your objective in doing it? Their objective is to get more business and, and to be seen in the community in a different way. Mm -hmm. Their reach is local, so their SEO strategy is really just in the greater Milwaukee area, but it's now gone national. But the brand paid for it. Right. It, so it doesn't have to be a Coca-Cola. You don't have to say, we have this great idea for us. We, we, we are passionate about sports, and we've done, created this amazing motion graphic animation that would be great in a sports show. We have to have REI. No, you don't. You have the bike shop down the street yeah. that partners with it. Really, where you want a brand is to help pay for the cost of distribution. 
If you're doing this as a production company, as an agency, and you're going to do it in-house, you're going to cover the cost of production. Just assume that. Yeah. Your brand partner is about how you distribute that out. Hmm. It's in their best interest to get it as wide as you can. Again, if, you're, you're, if you, you came in again today, Joel, and said, I have this great idea, I'd say, great. Digital. It can be right, shorter. Digital. But it's interesting, you talked about sort of behind the scenes that a production company should be prepared to fund the content creation yep. that that partner sponsor brand is the likely one that could that will pay and fund distribution. Yep. And those two seem like, you know, good bedfellows in terms of a strategy. And and almost all these firms that you're talking about that are your audience, they all have brands that they're loyal that they're partners with. Some are national, some are regional, some are local. Right. But if you right. have an idea, go to people that trust you. Yeah. You know, if you if you are an agency that has this amazing idea for um, a local charity, and you really want to do it, and you think it's a passionate story that actually could have legs nationally, great. Who that is already a client in your, or you're in your world, could you convince of that because they already believe in you? Yeah. You they know? already know you, right? You're, yeah. pro- you're a proven quantity. There's a relationship yeah. there. And you start small. You yeah. know, this Aaron Rodgers thing is a Green Bay product. They don't care if I see it and, you know, where I'm sitting today. Right. But because they did it right and their intention is right and all those other strategic things we talked about were right. And they've been approached to take Aaron's format to television. <laughs> and we'll see if it translates, right? Yeah. Well, that show, I mean, that show is, there are 14 of that show on. It's just that it's the, it would be this version with Aaron Rodgers. Right. But <laughs> so someone at some network saw it and said, that's awesome. So you can go into TV, but I would dissuade any of your clients, any of your friends, any of your listeners, I would dissuade anyone to think I'm coming to this for television. Got it. Television is television's an afterthought anymore. Media distribution needs to be about having something you want to get out there. If the only way you can do it is if it gets on television, you shouldn't be doing it. So it's almost like, um, you know, the expression in, in uh, web development, mobile first. Mm-hmm. Maybe in production and content creation, we should be saying digital first, digital first, digital first, and then TV might come. Or, or let me even, let me change the paradigm and not say digital first. Let's say new mediums first. New mediums first, right. New mediums first. Now, I'm not saying, oh, great, let's create a Snapchat um, series. Um, you, but that's interesting. Yeah. If it turns into a Snapchat series, fantastic. Right. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the, what the distribution platform is, it's the content. Mm-hmm. Now, if the content is something that only can be told in long form, 40 minutes, you're kind of stuck on linear. Mm-hmm. If the content can be told in six minutes or less. Or six seconds. Well, six minutes or less, you're talking <laughs> digital. Right. If yeah. the content can be done in six seconds, you're talking social. Yeah, you're talking social. Yeah. So, so there... An idea can help you define where it goes. But at the end of the day, you know, all these people that you know that say, I have a great idea, great. If it's really a great idea, you'll find a home for it. But don't put that home in TV. And the other thing, and when you edit this, you might want to put this earlier because it probably should have been a lot earlier, (laughs) is it's really, really, really important if you have a great idea, just like anyone does in any other part of their life but somehow thinks that they don't have to in, in this, Market research. If you go on YouTube and you put in um, penguin cooking, 
and all of a sudden you see that there are 45 other people that are already doing pinging, cooking, well, you might still want to get your content out there because it's really fun and really great, and it, it's, and it goes back to, we're doing it for these reasons. Right. But if you're doing it to differentiate yourself and do something unique, you're not unique. And one of the biggest challenges is the hubris of man is, I have this great new idea. There is no such thing as a new idea. There are new ways to interpret an idea. So really do that due diligence. But really, at the end of the day, it's why am I doing it? What resources do I have? And do I care about the outcome? Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to dictate. All right, so now to the production companies and you know motion design studios out there that are saying, yes, I still want to do this. Yeah. Right? So let's say they have thought through. They do have those three um, or and, and even fourth point checked off sure. in terms of strategy and they've done their pilot, they've got an audience, what have you. Do Are you the type of person that they reach out to and say, you know, I heard what you had to say and our what we're doing is absolutely on point with what we think is a modern strategy that's aligned with what, you, what you say. Are you the kind of person that they should reach out to and, and see if there's a fit? Yeah, absolutely. That's potential. I do that with a lot of people where I'll, I'll because you really do need someone that that's been in the trenches. I still talk to every production. I every well, I talk to thirty production companies on any given month, and I talk to probably thirty networks any given month. So I still have those ties, and I'm still part of that because I do have a lot of clients that are still in the media space. Don't get me wrong; I haven't right. left it, right? But I've 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 allowed myself to move away to move into all these different other areas. Yep. But yeah, I mean, really, and you've it, expanded your buffet. I, my buff. I am. I, there's a reason I'm this fat, Joel. <laughs> I am this fat because I love my buffet. But but really, at the end of the day, I, you know, eggs and bacon's not going away. Right. It's you just have to know if you have the right thing. And I think you need someone that's not going to sell you like absolutely. That's the best thing ever. And know that sometimes you might have a great idea, but to really, if you really truly, it is a television idea. And if I look at it and I say, that's a great idea, that's television. I'm working on one right now. It's a, it's a format from another country, never been done outside of that country. And someone said, ah, we, we did this thing. I said, oh, send it to me. It's genius. Hmm. But the only way it's going to get on is I'm partnering them up with a production company that's already in that space. Because again, you already have 450 people you're competing against. If you come in as Joe Schwartz, no one knows you. So, so you know, a lot of what I do is say, is this strong enough to go on your own? Is it strong enough that you that you need to package with someone, or is it just not strong enough yet? And here are some ideas on how you can redo it. But yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would never say if you really truly are passionate that I have this great television idea, pitch it. Yeah. Just know that the chances are the answer is going to be no. And be okay with that. Right. And then go back and tweak and adjust and refine the strategy and go forward. And, re- and remember you have this whole other piece of the buffet. You know, if you, it, just because that station's closed down, the rest of it's there. And um, people are lining up down at the beignets and the blintzes. Oh. <laughs> right. That sounds good. <laughs> we can go have lunch. So, final question. Yeah. Where did you get your shoes? We were just comparing notes on our, our similar shoes, and I'm like, I'm inspired. You, well, mine are Johnson Murphy. What oh, are yours? I didn't pay that much. I need to go. I need to go to the Johnson Murphy short store. Apparently. What are those? Oh, these are Joseph Abood. I guess. That's, uh, I guess that rates. Yeah, you rate. <laughs> those are good, man. I like them. 
Well, thanks for the conversation. This has been awesome. I'm really excited to hear uh, what, uh, what, what my audience has to say about this because I know there's so many people out there that are ex- excited and passionate about content creation, but let's point them in the right directions and put, the, put them to the right place on the right. buffet. Well, and, and to that end, you know, feel free to uh, get them in contact with me too if they really do have that thing and they want to do it. And where do they find you? What's, what's your website? Or? So my, my website's uh, Core Innovation Group, www.core-ig.com. Perfect. Uh, Patrick Jager on LinkedIn. A bunch of articles up there you can look at. Um, uh, no, I, I think it's great what you're doing in this series. Awesome. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks, bud. Thanks for listening to Rev Thinking. For more insights on running your creative studio or to ask us a question, visit RevThink.com. We'd love to hear from you.